Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My very special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Chris Cook, Olympian, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker from the UK. Chris knows all about performing at the very highest sporting level. He's here to share with us how in an even more complex world, through simplicity, that you will achieve your personal best. Despite being vertically challenged, his words, not mine, being only five foot 11 in swimming, which by the way is dominated by seriously tall people, in other words, giants, and growing up in a small town where he wasn't exactly surrounded by Olympic gods, he was not only became a two-time Olympian, but he also stood tall on the podium around the world, experiencing moments of hearing his national anthem playing solely for him. After hanging up his trunks, he now uses his methodology not only in his own businesses, but with businesses and teams around the world. He's here to share those secrets with us today. Chris, my friend, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. After that, you can tell I don't take myself too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Humor is a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. It can cure so many things, but it can't cure how tall I am. <laughs> That's that's so funny. Now, listen, Chris. Chris, tell us about you. I, 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 the backstory always fascinates me. How people got to where they're at. Uh, so, tell us about you and why swimming of all things, especially as you said in your intro, where you're not exactly cut out for swimming. Tell us about that background of yours. Uh, do you know what, Ian? And I'm the same as you. I, I love finding out people's backstory. For me, I grew up in a small town called South Shields, which is in the northeast of England. Like it said in the bio there in the introduction, I wasn't surrounded by other Olympians until I got to a certain stage. And it was much later on in my career. Um, very normal background. I'm an only child. So people used to say, oh, you must be spoiled rotten. Yes, I guess I was, you know, all the attention. But but actually, you know, I, I grew up in a family where it was it was all about like, taking responsibility if you want something get out there and get it you know don't just sit there and whinge and moan about it let's get up and do something so felt really grateful for my upbringing and then as I moved into the sport of swimming I just did it as a as a kind of pastime you know I remember we went along to my very first session it was a 45 minute session and it was a trial evening it was one Wednesday evening went into town and I remember walking in the doors thinking I can't do this. I can't go in there. And I remember looking at all the other kids thinking, oh my God, they look amazing in there. I'm, I can't do that. And I don't know who it was at the time, just went, oh yeah, I don't think you can. <laughs> but they said, yet. And I've always lived by that word, a three-letter word that is one of the smallest in our dictionary, but has such a powerful impact in the sentence in the right way. I'm not good enough turns into, I'm not good enough yet. I got my bag on my back, went into the changing rooms, and I guess I fell in love with the sport there and then and, and started to meet mentors, started to meet coaches who had this new world. It was a brand new world. You know, I'd almost live a double life in. I'd go to school, which was quite a, a rough and tumble school, and I'd just keep my head down, get through the day, and then get to the end of the day and go into this brand new world of performance in swimming. And it was just, I led a double life. I, you know, at school, I didn't say one word on the blocks. You know, I could stand there semi-naked in front of thousands of people and wave to audiences. I had this kind of large ego when I came to sport. 
And I realized that was my opportunity to put my fingerprint in the world. And you know, I don't think that can be underestimated in any role. When you find that thing that you love and you can put your fingerprint on it, what a feeling. What a feeling. That's that's amazing. I, I, I so relate. And being the only child, I've got a sister. But um, it, taking ownership, I love how your parents mentored or fostered that into your mindset, Chris, that you've got to own your own journey. No one's going to pave the road for you. You've got to do that on your own. And how you overcame self-doubt. I mean, self-doubt is the biggest sabotager of all of our success. It can certainly get in the way and, oh, we're not good enough. I'm not good enough. How will I ever? And and you were able to focus through that. Uh, and, and, And the word yes, that beautiful little word of yes, you can and you will and apply your passion to it. And then you broke through and success happened for you. And it happened not without hard work. But it happened in your mind easier once you convinced yourself that you were worthy of that success. So that's your backstory, Chris. Uh, but what do you attune your success to? I'm sure our listeners will be thinking, yeah, but how does a guy who's not exactly designed for swimming or isn't identified as an ex-talented swimmer, how did you make it to an Olympic final and stand on the podiums around the world, Chris? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, there's so much in here. We could talk for weeks and months and years about what can you do, but let's go back to your comment before about self-doubt. You know, if if you're working on yourself as much as you're working on the skills that you were, you take on board, they're two very different things. Um, was it Jim Rohn, who, famous speaker, famous author, one of my favourite, he said, you know, working on yourself is part of the plan. It's part of the game. If it's not, and you're just working on taking on board skills, you're missing a huge chunk, huge chunk. But self-doubt is a really interesting one because I'm no I'm no stranger to it. It happens daily. In fact, it happened today. A big moment of self-doubt crept in. And I'm a speaker. I stand on stages speaking around the world. And I entered a competition, a national competition, um, over the weekend, just gone. Um, on Saturday and I didn't win and it and it really hurts like it stings like crazy because I wouldn't enter a competition if I didn't think I could win and you know I, I want to win I have the competitors in me from my swimming days and you know the self-doubt crept in this morning and the first question I always ask and it goes back to when I was swimming is what's missing when when self-doubt creeps in that question about what's missing is probably the most important question you can ask yourself because usually in that moment, why are they not taking good care of ourselves? We're overthinking too much of the problem. We can only see the problem. We maybe need to remove ourselves. There's lots of different things in there, but the main one is, you know, what will this doubt teach me? And whenever I used to approach a race and I used to have this horrible nervous feeling, I knew I wasn't ready. There was something in my preparation wasn't ready. The self-doubt was creeping in. Whenever I'd go to the blocks and I was excited and I wanted to show the world what I'd been working on, there was no self-doubt there. Or if it was, it was fleeting. I would, it would, it would pass through my mind because I was prepared. And that's the difference is when that self-doubt creeps in or you get those moments of doubt, you ask yourself and pause, ask yourself, what am I missing here? What's missing as part of the preparation? So there was that. And then I guess for me, a huge part of it was about building a process that I believed in. 
you know, it's it's great walking other people's walk. It's great watching other people and using mentors, and they're very, very useful to a certain point. But I remember my coach said to us when I was really young, he said, I've got to do everything I possibly can for you so you can walk to the blocks alone. It's such a powerful, powerful message. And at the age of 13, 14, 15, when they're quite impressionable ages, you know, lots of things going on in your life, to have that responsibility to walk up to the blocks alone and deliver it, pass or fail, win or lose. You know, it's seen as a do or die situation. But for me, it was never that. It was always, okay, we're just going to go out there, test it, bring it back, and then we're going to make it a little bit better tomorrow. And I think the last thing is once you're building the process you believe in, is is love it. Because if you're only there for the wins, if you're only there for the medals and the accolade, you're missing a massive portion. You know, if if you consider a four-year Olympic cycle, it's four years long. I mean, we used to train six to eight hours a day minimum. But you stand on the podium minutes if if you're lucky. <laughs> you stand on the podium minutes. You get your 15 minutes of fame in that four years. You've got to love the process because you spend a long time there. That's it. That's, that's huge commitment, Chris. I mean, the self-doubt. And then asking yourself, what's missing? Mm. allowing yourself to be brave enough for some self-discovery mm. around that am i what and not uh what's missing or oh, that's a missing not so much that but with the, the notion of how can i make that better how can i build a, a solution for this uh, and i like how you, you you phrased it down to being prepared you know that preparation is everything and and that's what i heard you say if you were prepared enough when you were on the blocks that self-doubt would just fall off of you. It would just swim away. Yeah. And you were back on on on, on purpose, on track. Yeah. I also love what you said about uh, loving it. I, I love the phrase, love, uh, do what you love and love what you do. Yeah. And if, if you, you can wrap your career, your ambition with that level of passion, it becomes a, a very strong, strong force. It truly does. I love what you're talking about here, Chris. It's, it's fascinating. So how does the two links of the pool we're talking about transfer into the businesses that you now work with today? I'm fascinated by this. Good question. Good question. So to, to the listeners out there, you know, my, my two lengths talk, my keynote that I deliver around the world, digitally and face-to-face, is, is all about my journey of simplifying the process. It started with when I was working with my sports psychologist, a guy called Simon Hartley, um, you know, we were, we were sat chatting one day and he pulled me to one side and he said, is everything okay? You don't seem yourself. And, and then I just went on this rant about how I wasn't fulfilling my potential. I felt as though I was in chain mail. Things weren't quite working. And it went really quiet between us. And then he went, wow, that's a lot of stress for somebody who only has to swim two lengths of the pool. <laughs> And I was like, wow, what? are you kidding? Are we friends here or what? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I was really, really angry. You know, we'd worked with each other for such a long time. And I was like, how could you get this so wrong? And I realized on reflection, it took a little while. That was my ego talking. You know, we've all got one. And, and ego is not a bad thing, but a super ego is. You know, and, and you've got to be aware of when does that creep in? When does that? trip you over when does that hold you back when does that provide you the chain mail anyway it took me a little while to start to get my head around it and then we started to explore okay okay 
if I simplify things, what does that mean? So if my job truly is to swim two lengths of the pool as fast as I could, what does it actually mean? Well, the bit I was really scared of, Ian, was I was, I was scared of change. We'd always done it a certain way. And also, I was in the—I think I was in the top twelve in the world at that time. So I wasn't shoddy. It wasn't—I wasn't doing a bad job, but actually, it wasn't helping me answer that feeling or that thought that I was having of I'm not fulfilling my potential. So we started to explore what two lengths meant, and we started to ask ourselves questions like: Is this thing in front of me? Is this training session I'm about to do? Is this next hour or two going to help me swim two lengths faster? Yes or no? And if we didn't know the answer, we went in search of it. We had a couple of rules. One, one or two of the rules were it's either a yes or a no. If it's a long convoluted yes, it should be a really easy no. Meaning that if you have to convince me of whether I'm working on something that's helped me swim two lengths, then I'm definitely not. And we started to become really ruthless. And we realized that actually a huge body of the week that we were working on was in either the no pile or the maybe. <clears throat> So it started to free up all this thinking of, okay, well, if we did things different, how would it look? And my career took off. My career literally took off. I was able to maximize rest and recovery because I knew when I finished the session that I was laying down everything. I'd asked all the right questions. That sense of freedom when you know you've laid down everything is amazing. Being done for the day. How many listeners out there are listening now thinking, I've never felt done for the day? It's a, it's a liberating feeling when you get that feeling of take, I'm done. But the big question is, how do you get there? Well, you only get there when you know where you're going and you can check mark it to the milestones. And that's what we started to do. And the results were just amazing. I stood on podiums off the back of keeping it simple alone. It was incredible. Must have been so proud. Um, your whole family must be still to this day, Chris. So very, very proud of you and your accomplishments and, and your mindset, your ability, not just your your physical gifts and your ability to be fast in the pool, but what you went through with your, with your mindset in terms of making sure you were ready. I, I love how you simplified it. I, I know it must have been shocking when your coach said to you that day, you're carrying a lot of grief for two guys, a guy that just had to go up and down once. Like, <laughs> ah, what do you mean? It must have been shocking. <laughs> but that led you to the road of belief that, hey, what can I do? How do I make it better? If my training session and, and anyone listening today, whatever you do in your life, be it sales, leadership, running a company, buying a company, if you can simplify that process and make sure your preparation aligns completely to that, I see how this transfers directly into the business world, uh, Chris. Sure. Okay, so the, your swimming career and the, the pivotal lesson uh, about make it so simple, which I just, that should be a t-shirt or a book. It'll probably be the title of one of your books coming soon. Uh, you only have to swim two lengths of the pool. How about now? Uh, what do you spend your time doing these days? Wow, where do I start? <laughs> so um, obviously I, I've got my keynote, which you know I've, I've been very, very lucky to work with large corporations around the world and sharing that with with large and small businesses teams all around the uk as well and that two lengths has really transferred quite nicely you know there's there's teams now really flying um i work with a hospitality company their their, their one-liner was we make people happy you know that simple one-liner it was genius and now 
everything else that they do is all about making people happy because it's hospitality. Um, I remember working with a kitchen firm years ago and their, their one liner was, we make boxes fit. <laughs> Not because essentially when it comes down to it, they make just big boxes fit into a room and then utilize them properly. And, and do you know what the beautiful thing is when you see the team really grasp it and they're all on board with it? There's a sense of, oh, is, is that it? You know, there's, there's no stress to that. We can do that. And once you get people starting to believe we can do it, the next thing you do is just put the evidence in place. And the confidence you get from evidence is, well, it's second to none because now you've got something tangible. So there's the keynote. And then off the back of that, I do a lot of coaching with small teams, individuals. And I also run um, our own family business. We've got a, 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 I keep calling it a small family business. We've got to stop now. We've, we've got to learn to swim business in the UK. And we've got nearly 2,000 children swim with us and every week. and it started off one Friday evening with just us teaching a few kids to swim, seven kids in the pool, and before we knew it, she took off. And we applied that simple rule, and our simple rule is, our simple one-liner is, we teach swimming. So everything that we do, we ask ourselves on a daily basis, how can we teach swimming better? You know, what, what is it that we're about to do today that's related to teaching children better? Because you know we've often found that actually if you look after the clients you've already got, they'll go and find you your next clients because they talk amongst themselves. They talk in the playground. They go and tell their parents. Their parents love it. They'll tell their friends. And we've just got a crazy waiting listing. Um, off the back of that, uh, we've started to sell um, swimwear and, and goggles. We do we do very, very well on goggles. That's created our, its own business. So we've, we've branched out and we've started selling around the UK and Ireland. And we've sell these goggles called Froggles. They're amazing. They're, they're my favorite, favorite goggles. Started in the States and then we brought them over to this end of the planet and they're doing so well. Um, so yeah, when you ask me what am I doing, I spend a lot of my time either spinning plates or coaching or standing on stages with a microphone. I love it. That's fantastic. I, I, I love how you simplified the message even, Chris. I mean, make it simple. Find the evidence which tells you a lot. That's where the road is, right? And once you get on that road and continue, commit yourself to continuous improvement with it, out of that comes confidence. Yeah. And confidence has momentum. Yes. And that's a force that, that is hard to be reckoned with. It, it really does. I love how you talked about referrals because most of our listeners today, or many are, are in sales or sales leadership. And what are the very best leads you can get in the world, listeners? We know it. The R word, referrals. Yeah. And so, it was something my dad taught me a, a long, long time ago, Chris. He said, son, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. He <laughs> says, if you do it well, they'll tell my friends, right? I'm trying to do my best Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've still believed in that. And, and that's uh, where I've been getting all, all my business for the last 30 years is through referrals. Repeat, right. reference, and referrals. Those are the three sweet R's. And you're applying it with confidence in your business. Wonderful, wonderful to hear. Chris, we hear a lot about you know, transitions from the sporting world into the work world. And many of these athletes have stepped forward to say how difficult of a time it was for them to transition from this training routine, whether they're playing hockey, football, swimming, baseball, and now they want to get into business. Many of them have really struggled. Uh, how was all this process of transition for you? Yeah, it's, it, it's a really great question you ask there because I definitely think there's an opportunity to create a 
a new keynote and I'd be really keen to share it. I think for me, it's still a little bit raw, even though I've kind of got a lot of success after the sport. I'll be really honest with you, I'm probably having more fun now than I ever have done, which is bizarre because people go, what? You went to the Olympics, you know, you did all this around the world. And actually, I'm having way more fun now because I feel as though I feel as though this is my true calling, what I'm up to, because I get the chance to work with people where when I was swimming, I was I was trying to beat people. You know, it kind of goes against my deeper values, which is I love that. I love out of harmony. I love working with people. I love creating things with a team and, and building things. Whereas in swimming, effectively, I was there to destroy someone else's dream to get to my dream. You know, if you're not fast, you're last sort of thing. Um, and, you know, the transition was hard. I came out the sport. I am an all or nothing character. I know who I am. I'm either all in or all out. There's no half measures. So after my Olympic final, that was it. I didn't race again. Um, I, I virtually didn't swim again. So one week I was in an Olympic final. The last race that Michael Phelps won his eighth gold medal, I was stood a lane or so away. You know, we were hoping for a medal and we didn't. We finished sixth in the relay. And then the next week it was like, wow, what next? And I knew I didn't want to go on for another four years. I could have maybe gone on for another two years, trotting around, making some money, but I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it for Olympic gold, if I'm being really honest, hand on heart. And I knew that would, I had a feeling in my bones that that was my best shot and I'd laid down everything I could. So I didn't want to go on, but I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. And it was a, it was a cliff edge. I was in free fall. Um, I mean, we could label it with all sorts of words like depression and, and anxiety, but I didn't want to label it. So I decided to just trot on trying to just make ends meet and do whatever I could. And the best bit of advice I ever got was when, when I was really young, I remember my granddad said, we were talking about something and he said, you know, whenever you're lost, just give that thing in right in front of you utmost attention 100% of your attention if you're cleaning clean like the best cleaner in the world <laughs> if you're singing sing your heart out and somehow in some way it will find you and I started doing that and at the time I was doing just a couple of talks in schools some primary schools you know chatting to five-year-olds right through to 10-year-olds and I, I, before I knew it I'd done over 600 schools around the country trotting around. It was crazy. It's spotting hundreds of thousands of young people. And I remember going into one of my first primary schools and I just took that analogy of just give them everything. And they were just overawed. And before you knew it, they taught the next person, they taught the next person that had this full diary. And then that reached its natural end. I remember I was um, in a primary school down on the South Coast in England in a, in a county called Kent, wonderful county. And I'd just finished this primary school visit and I was coming towards the end of the assembly. It was the last five minutes of the assembly, 600 children in the room. And I finished, they all clapped. And the head teacher said, oh, Chris, we've got a few minutes left. Would you take some questions? And I was like, yeah, I'll take some questions. That's no problem. So he threw out some questions. And before he'd even said questions, this, this hand three rows in went straight up. This guy was, this little boy was really sparky. And I was like, I best go to this boy here because he's put his hand up really quick. He said, um, what, what's your dream? This little boy said, what's your dream? What's your dream now? I said, well, 
interesting you should ask that what's your name he said he said isaac i said isaac my new dream is i want to um build and run my own learn to swim business and his hand went straight up i went yes what's what's your second question isaac he went so when did you start i said well that's an, that's an interesting question that i said i haven't started my new dream yet his hand went up and i'm thinking who is this kid <laughs> and he went um why haven't you started and it went really quiet and i went uh because i'm scared this time he put his hand up really slowly he said but you you've just been telling us to follow our dreams with courage but you're not Ooh. wow and i realized and that I mean he coached the hell out because i should i should owe this kid a fortune but the, the, the point is, is that often we, we trot on pressing on things doing things getting really busy we never stop to really focus on our personal development journey as well and for me it was just i was scared and that very next week we started that learn to swim business and if and if it wasn't for that moment i probably wouldn't have started it thank you isaac thank you we Isaac. yeah oh my what a story chris that yeah. oh i love the last time his hand went up really slow <laughs> And he was he was giving you some empathy, but but still challenging you, right? Yeah. So yeah. I love what you talked about there. That's it's a wonderful transition you made, my friend. I love that you're all about people. Yeah. And now it's for people, not beating people, right? And, and that's 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 a pivot. That's a real turn. And it's about giving back. Yeah. Sure, we get paid for our our, our efforts, our our you know our our services. Yes. But with, when it's got purpose, it's got a bigger purpose than than for money. I love that you talked about focus, uh, and I would call that being all in. Don't yeah. just be kind. It's not an analog. It's digital. It's a one or a zero. If you're going to be a one, stand tall and be a good one, right? Don't don't just dabble and be like a half one in, right? So uh, and overcome the challenges as as you see them. Again, uh, Chris, you, you've done an amazing job with your career and the transition you've been through, and you're helping so many around the world these days. Uh, before we let you go, I'm sure many of our listeners today from anywhere around the world listening are curious, how could they reach out to get a hold of you? How could they get some of Chris's magic working in their lives? How can our listeners best reach out to get a hold of you, Chris? Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you for those comments. That means a lot. You know, my, my email address is info at chriscookgb.com and my website is www.chriscookgb.com. And I'm on Twitter, chriscookgb, and also on LinkedIn as Chris Cook. You'll see my mugshot there somewhere. <laughs> I, I love LinkedIn. I'm a big LinkedIn. That's fantastic. Again, Chris, on behalf of the listeners today, Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much. I've loved it. And thank you all for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With Ian Selby.